Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. as August 7th, 2022, and a short podcast today on a rather brief text. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. Now, this is almost the very end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, which occupies chapters 5, 6, and 7 of this gospel. And the Sermon on the Mount has a pretty straightforward outline. Um, Jeffrey Gibbs, in his commentary on Matthew, talks about how how, uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus brings people into his kingdom, then he tells them what, is, what it's like to be part of his kingdom, and then at the very end he warns them against enemies that would pull them out of his kingdom or, or make them fail to reach um, eternal life. So for a bit more detailed outline, the Sermon on the Mount, of course, begins with the Beatitudes in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. These are the series of blessings that Jesus gives to his people along with forgiveness and salvation. They're not, they're not uh, legal requirements. They're not law where Jesus says, you must be poor in spirit and must be meek to be my people. But rather he, uh, he is speaking of the gifts of meekness and, and humility, etc. that he gives along with his grace and salvation. So, so the Beatitudes are, are, are kind of blessings that get you through the door into the kingdom of God, how, how Jesus gathers you in by his grace. And then briefly in, in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus declares that he, he gives his people a calling as, as his people. And then in chapter 5, verses 17 through 48, he teaches about, uh, about God's will according to uh, the Torah, according to the Old Testament, and, and how his people are to live. In uh, all of chapter 6 and into chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus speaks about, um, about piety and, and possessions and, and, and people and, and how, how Christians live with such things. And, uh, and then as the sermon draws to a close, he strengthens his hearers with gospel promises in chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. And now at the very end, after, after he's talked about all this, this joy of, of being the people of God, he warns against threats that would cause him to leave the faith and not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, in the two verses just before our lesson for today, Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And once again, the, uh, the way that leads to life, the gate that we, leads to life is, is Jesus himself. He is the door. Uh, few find it because they're counting on their own works, their own righteousness, or else they're just uh, 
sinning willy-nilly, but those who find the gate, who find Jesus, find Jesus by Jesus' work of of gathering them in and saving them, and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But in our brief text, verses 15 through 23 of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is warning of one threat to salvation, and that is a threat of false prophets. So we read in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So, Jesus here is warning of false prophets, and he specifies not any false teacher or not any like cult leader but rather those who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So there will be false teachers. There will be false prophets who appear to be godly, who come in the name of Jesus. And certainly here in the Intermountain West, we we can look at, say, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which which bears the name of Jesus in the title of its church body. But we know that, that although they claim the name of Jesus, their theology is not salvation through grace alone, but rather a theology of, of, of works and a denial of who Jesus actually is. And that's one modern example of what Jesus has in mind. Those who come and claim to represent Jesus, but actually teach against his word. Now, please note, they come in sheep's clothing. They appear to be good people. In fact, when Jesus says you will recognize them by their fruits, he's not talking about their good works. Because believers and unbelievers both can do really nice things for their neighbor. When Jesus speaks of the fruits of a prophet, the fruits of a prophet are what he prophesies. The fruits of a teacher are what the teacher teaches. Therefore, says Jesus, set aside their works and ask, what are their words? What does this teacher or this prophet or this pastor say, and specifically, what does this teacher or prophet or pastor say about Jesus? Because time and time again in the Gospel of Matthew, the measure is, do people get the person and the work of Jesus Christ correct? So, for instance, in Matthew chapter 16, We have Jesus asking the disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replies, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answers him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So, Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, which means that Peter has gotten the person of Jesus right. He knows that Jesus, this human being standing before him, is the Christ or the Messiah, the anointed one. And that he's not just a human being, but he's also the son of the living God. So, so there Peter um, gets Jesus right in that he's fully God and fully man, and he is the one sent by God for our salvation. And so, Jesus blesses Peter because Peter's got it right. But just a few verses later, Jesus tells the disciples how he's going to save, how he's going to be the Christ, and that is he's going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And you remember what Peter does. Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And that's when Jesus turns to Peter and says to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a hindrance to me. A few verses before, Peter had the person of Jesus right, who he is, totally right. But Peter gets the work of Jesus wrong. When Jesus says, I've come to die on the cross, Peter says, nope, that's not how you're going to save. And since Peter gets the work of Jesus wrong, Jesus calls him Satan and says, get behind me. So just one example that that to be a, a true teacher or prophet or pastor The teacher or prophet or pastor has to get the person of Jesus right and the work of Jesus right. Get one or the other wrong, and you're a false teacher. Your teachings are are those of Satan. All right? So Jesus uh, tells his hearers in Matthew 7 that you will know these trees by their fruit. You will know these teachers by their teachings. And he gives some some good news in verse 18. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. So when a teacher or pastor proclaims the truth about Jesus, that gospel only does good. It gives the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation. On the other hand, a diseased tree bears bad fruit. There's never a time when false teaching gives forgiveness and life and salvation because it's false. And at the end, Jesus says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. False prophets and teachers and pastors will be contemned for their false teaching. Then Jesus goes on to give a kind of a secondary warning against these false teachers, these false prophets. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name 
and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So this is rather a fascinating thing that these these false teachers, these false prophets who are deceiving others, may even be deceiving themselves. Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And we we note in passing that Jesus doesn't say, no, you didn't do mighty works. It is possible that they're doing um, mighty works or pretending to cast out demons with demonic power. That, that, That can happen. Rather, again, the measure is, were they truly doing things in his name? And the one who does things truly in Jesus' name, the one who enters the kingdom of heaven is the one who does the will of his Father, says Jesus. And what is the will of the Father? What is the, uh, the, the work that is pleasing to God? That work is to believe in Jesus Christ, whom God has sent There is no greater act of worship than to be forgiven for your sins. Because that's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, to do the will of the Father in heaven is first and foremost to believe in his Son whom he has sent and to be forgiven for your sins because that's why Jesus went to the cross and died. And of course, inevitably, good works follow the one who is forgiven because that's that's what faith does. But first and foremost, the one who enters the kingdom of heaven is the one who is forgiven for his sins. One more quick note here. Jesus says in verse 22, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And that's quite significant. In Matthew chapter 7, 22, Jesus then says that he is the Lord to whom people appear and appeal on the last day. So Jesus here accepts the title of Lord and accepts the title of judge. And he is the one who delivers people into heaven. And he is the one who says, depart from me for eternity. This means, of course, that he has all power and authority given to him. And for you, that's good news. Because the one who brings people into the kingdom of heaven is your Savior, who's died for your sins, who forgives you, who's made you his own in baptism, and who has promised you, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So beware of false teachers. Study God's words. You know what God says. Always rejoice in who Jesus is and what he has done. 
and flee those false teachings which would rob you of the joy of who Jesus is and what he has done. And always rejoice that in Christ the kingdom of heaven is yours. And that concludes our brief look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. God grant you every good gift in your further meditations on this text, and, and the Lord be with you if you're teaching this to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.